Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. 24 hours ago, I want to be sedated. Good song, but not what I'm talking about. Corinne Jean-Pierre, who is the Deputy White House Press Secretary, filling in for Jen Psaki because of COVID, uh, she was getting hit and getting hit hard. Trying to answer questions that she had no answer for. Do you have an idea of when the pandemic could become an endemic, uh, you know, could, could cease to be a pandemic, and what would that, what, what does the end game look like at this point? Yeah, I, I, I do not know. I would refer you to public health experts, the CDC. I, that's not something that we're zeroing in on. Our focus is to make sure we do everything we can to save lives and get people vaccinated. It's kind of interesting that the administration doesn't have a what is the end game. Now, you could say this about the Trump administration. Their end game was two weeks to flatten the curve, and here we are two years later. I mean, we're zeroing in on two years later. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. 833, got Tony. 833-468-8669. That is the, the, the number. That's how you get in touch with the program. Uh, Jean-Pierre has been taking a fair amount of, of hits. It has not been easy, but she's asked to do an impossible task. Okay, and on what the Secretary Grenholm and what she was saying yesterday, what options besides tapping the Strategic Petroleum Reserve does the president have to counteract higher gas prices? So, um, you know, we've t- I've talked about this a couple of times. You know, we we have we don't have an announcement yet on anything uh, on anything to share at this time. Uh, you know, but we're we're monitoring it, right? We're monitoring the the prices, and we're making sure that we have tools in our tool belts that we can uh, we can uh, we can try and, and and use. But at this at this time, I don't have anything new uh, to to share. What else are you reviewing? Because Secretary Granholm has confirmed that is an option that's on the table, and the president has said there are other tools that you could potentially use. So could you just lay out what those other options are that he's considering? So I don't, again, I don't I don't have anything specific here. The president spoke to this recently, uh, but he's also asked FTC to crack down on illegal pricing, right? That is one thing that he did on gouging in the market. Uh, you can't send someone out there that woefully unprepared. And I got to tell you, I actually feel for her at that moment. You can't name something Joe Biden is doing to lower gas prices? That's that's nuts. How How can you send somebody out there to do that? Especially when the conversation has come up that the Biden administration is considering the closing of another pipeline. Now, this was a big back and forth, a huge back and forth between Peter Ducey and Jean-Pierre. Listen. 
Thank you. Uh, the Energy Secretary says about the cost of Americans heating their homes in the winter, it will be more expensive this year than last year. So why is the administration now considering shutting down the Line 5 pipeline from Canada to Michigan? So, Peter, uh, that is inaccurate. That is not that is not right. Uh, so any reporting indicating that some decision has been made, again, is not accurate. Uh, but what I will say is I'll lay this out for you for a little bit here. Where we are at, we, where we are is with this is that the Canada has decided to invoke the dispute resolution provisions of the 1977 Transit Pipelines Treaty. We expect that both the U.S. and Canada will engage constructively in those negotiations. In addition to being one of the closest allies, Canada remains a key U.S. partner in energy trade as well as efforts to address climate change and protect the environment. Now, the L5 pipeline is known as the Line 5 pipeline, and this is basically right near the Mackinac Bridge, for those of you who live in the Midwest, who maybe have, have traveled uh, this before, a mile and a half to the west. You've got two 20-inch diameter lines, and it's owned by a Canadian uh, oil company called Enbridge, E-N-B-R-I-D-G-E. They're at the bottom of the Straits of Mackinac which does some some shipping and, and some other things. So this oil is moving through at a regular, regular uh, clip. And this is now within a conversation of whether or not it should remain. The people who oppose this will point out that the Line 5 has spilled 33 times and at least 1.1 million gallons has been leaked out. I don't mind you giving me data. I'm fine with data. If you want to say to the Canadians, fix this, I'm totally fine with that too. That is a far cry from we shouldn't have the pipeline as we head into winter when we already aren't producing our own resources because the Biden administration has no plan or desire or want to do such a thing. And you have Joe Biden literally begging Russia and OPEC to produce more. But you'll notice how this got phrased. Peter Ducey didn't say they were shutting it down. He asked, is it really being considered to shut down Line 5? The answer that Corinne Jean-Pierre gave was about, no, it's not being shut down. Yeah, that's, that's some bad reporting. Peter Ducey, the only reporter in the room, it seems, noticed this mistake. It, it, I will also add this, too, is that the current the current Line 5, 5 pipeline is subject to litigation between Enbridge and the state of Michigan. So, again, I would it is inaccurate what you just stated. Well, but so but the, the reporting, the reporting about uh, us wanting to shut down the Line 5. I said, uh, is, it, is it being studied right now? Is the administration studying the impact of shutting down yeah. the Line 5? Yes, so, we are. We are. So that was inaccurate. Well, I thought you were saying that we were going to shut it down, but that is that is not inaccurate. So they are considering it. They are considering shutting down a pipeline. Now, some people will tell you that maybe, and I'm still learning about it, I don't claim any expertise on line five, uh, that uh, this is nothing more than a shortcut and is not really utilized by the people of Michigan. Well, 
I'm not 100% sure about that because even if you're going to argue that 10% of that oil ended up in Michigan for use uh, by either Michiganders or people throughout the Midwest or people throughout the country, uh, do you really want to be the society right now uh, reducing anything by 10% or overall by a 1% or whatever the case may be? The argument here is why in the world are these people so anti-energy at this moment? We know about food prices going up, right? We know about this issue. This was Nora O'Donnell on uh, CBS News. All right, now to the growing struggle to feed families in need. The price of meat, poultry, fish, and eggs in U.S. cities has soared by about 15% since last year. More Americans are being forced to find help at food banks, and now those vital safety nets are hurting too. Here's CBS's Mark Strassman. Outside Food Pantry 279, they wait for a weekly food box that's half what it was a year ago. But retirees Elaine Stalkub and Mary Lou Shields bring gratitude, not attitude. How much of a difference does this make? A lot. It's hard to make it if you don't come here. Founder Cindy Chavez feeds about 6,000 people a month. Their last link in a supply chain crisis. So this is just food. And we've already seen the rising prices. We've already seen the media outlets. I didn't even play the whole thing where people were talking about the rising price of milk and they were getting laughed at by, by the left. You, you, you laugh at the rising price of milk, there's something clearly wrong with you. Milk is the American staple. Why would you laugh about such a thing? It is how people determine the success of a nation. You think they're determining it by Wall Street? Do you really think we're determining the success of the nation by how Wall Street is doing? Bitch, please. That's insane. How much is the milk? How much did I did it cost for me to feed my family? Is there anything left over? Welcome to the real world. Man, these people don't come to Midwest Main Street. They are so busy insulating themselves. And while we're having this conversation about the food prices, It is the heating oil that's going to be the story in a matter of days. In a matter of days, heating oil is going to be the only conversation that comes up. The only conversation that matters. These two women who go there uh, to to, um, the food pantry in order to get help. Who are they going to go to get the heating oil? And consider what we just discussed, the amount of people in the administration looking at cutting out more supply. Damaging and dangerous. Now, Gina Raimondo, she is the former governor of Rhode Island and she is the Commerce Secretary. She is going to be speaking from the White House podium. They had Buttigieg the other day. They've got Raimondo today. Anybody except Kamala Harris seems to be how this administration works. I'll bring that to you coming up. Keep it here. I'm Tony Katz. So Ron DeSantis had himself a conversation with the president of In-N-Out Burger. Why are you in California? Come to Florida. We like freedom. We love burgers. And we don't think you have to be burger Nazis. 
Well, he didn't say that. That was me throwing that in there. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. Good to be with you. What In-N-Out Burger has said, this is, this is the world-famous In-N-Out Burger, the burger place, and they make a fine burger. I lived in California. It was never as, you know, insane as people made it out to be. Right? It's just, it, it, it's good. That, that, that's it. That's all there is to it. It's good. The end. There are other burgers that are way better, superior by every single measure. I'm saying it. I'm putting it out there. That's all there is to it. And so the conversation was, hey, why don't you move to Florida? Why don't you put your operations in Florida? Why don't you open stores in Florida? Um, The chief financial officer for the state, Lindsey Snyder Ellingson, uh, sent a letter saying, look, be a part of what we're doing over here. We know how difficult it is for restaurants, so come open here. In-N-Out Burger has been facing problems because, uh, you know, they, they closed the uh, the dining rooms in a lot of places because California said you got to close the dining rooms. And uh, then uh, California said, not good enough. Now you got to check to make sure people coming in, if they're coming in for to-go or anything else, you got to make sure that those people are vaccinated. Well, we're not here to do that. We're not going to act as some enforcement arm. Uh, to to for the government quote it refused to become the vaccination police for any government and that the San Francisco departments of health requirements are unreasonable invasive and unsafe and you're asking us to quote unquote segregate customers we're not doing that and they're getting heat for it but they're a hundred percent right they're absolutely right and good on them So the CFO, sorry, I, I, I had the wrong name. The CFO is is Jimmy uh, Patronus. Uh, Lindsay Snyder Ellingson is the one of of In and Out Burger. Uh, is like, hey, why don't you why don't you come here? Come to the Bastion of Freedom. So they uh, had a conversation, and then DeSantis had a conversation. Steal the businesses, steal the businesses all you can. That's the right move. That's the smart move. That's the good move. I would love it if some other people in some other places engaged in these kinds of moves. But uh, that's, that's, not what, that's not what happens in my beloved Indiana. I mean, they, they bring in business. Don't get me wrong. But there's no, there's no openness to trying. There's no real aggressive move to try. And that's, that's a massive problem. Now, as I said, the Secretary of Commerce, Commerce Gina Raimondo, was speaking uh, there at the at the podium in the White House press briefing, talking about broadband at first, and, and uh, I'm a believer in moving broadband a- around. Um, but she's going to be taking questions, and I'm curious to see if that involves levels of trade. So let's take it to uh, Re- uh, Secretary, I should say, Secretary Raimondo, former governor of Rhode Island, answering questions. Tremendous amount of um, federal oversight. And transparency. Every state has to put their plan online for everyone to see. And we are going to have very strict criteria to make sure that we achieve the goals of affordability and access. When do you um, think the first expansion projects will get underway? I'm sorry, say again. When will the projects get underway? When do you think states will physically start? Yeah, so, uh, you know, I will say first we have to have the law and then it'll take us some time to get set up you know some number of months so i mean it is it's hard to say i would say you know well into next year thank you um, I'm trying to pick people. I have-
secretarial stuff in. Put this new money, secretary. Secretary, can you guarantee people living in internet dead zones? Dead zones. I guess they don't want to take certain questions. How quickly Americans that doesn't usually get messy. Impacts of this, and as well as if there are some more longer-term goals that maybe are are 10, 20 years down the line. Can you talk a little bit about the timing of this? So I say first there, you know, we are already implementing, you know, in the rest. You know, I'm, I'm not I'm not going to take any more of this. Did they actually tell somebody, no, you can't ask the question. So you meet Alcindor could. I think people were just jumping in line. But there were there's no this isn't Biden. There's no specific people they're calling on. So if somebody's got the got the floor and is able to get their question out. Why? Why are they being shouted down? That is weird. I think that's strange. But it, it, I guess, you know, uh, th- th- they've got their friends and uh, the friends come first and the friends matter. And, and that's all there. Maybe that's all there is to it. But I want to I'm only hoping they get to questions that have nothing to do with the broadband, although uh, uh, broadband is very important and get to other things. Numbers you want to hit, maybe you won't speak to them publicly here, but I'm wondering how the how you're going to measure success. Every single American has access to high-speed, affordable broadband, which means truly affordable. Does that include people living in the internet? Thank you. Secretary, appreciate your being here. Obviously, former governor, you know the... Why won't anybody answer this guy's question about internet dead zones? This is weird. This is very, very strange. How how this press conference is is going. Meanwhile, of course, you know, Kamala Harris isn't doing any press conferences. She's in Europe right now because her polling approval is 28%. 28%. Now, I know what you're saying, Tony. I thought you don't buy into polls. I don't buy into polls. But it never stops, it seems, how much underwater this administration is. Which brings us to this from USA Today. USA Today asked 1,000 registered voters what they want Joe Biden to do. We ask them, what do Americans want Joe, President Joe Biden to do now? We ask them. It's a top 10 list. Bipartisanship was number 10 at 3%. COVID mandates was 6%. The economy was number 2 at 11%. Number 1 at 20%. Resign, retire, or quit. That's just... That's just great. More to get to. I'm Tony Katz. This is Tony Katz Today. It's nice to hear somebody say that the lack of semiconductors poses a national security threat. That's the conversation going on with Gina Raimondo right now, the Commerce Secretary. Me, I'm Tony Katz. Tony Katz today. Let's bring it back to the Commerce Secretary, who said something we can all agree with. So why aren't we doing more to bring the manufacturing and semiconductors here? Right now that is able to fulfill this broadband expansion. Such a good question. So uh, I would say yes and no. We, in in working with Congress on this portion of the bill, we specifically said keep it flexible so we could use some of the money for workforce training. And to the question of equity, that the folks that we train ought to look like America, 
right? Like, and to the question of what will Americans see, what they're going to see soon is people in their community, men, women, people of color, white people, laying fiber. And today, we don't have enough trained people. No, we don't. But some of this money will be used for workforce training so that we can train folks. I have no idea what the white people had to do with that. That was so funny. It stuck it's, out like a sore thumb. I know, because when when your desire is to be woke over being rational, I guess, what else can you get, right? What else can you expect from people? This, this is who they are. It, it's how it works. Uh, there, there was a, a there was actually two stories that I, I wanted to get to. One of them just made me laugh out loud. Can I do can I do the laugh out loud story? The story about James Corden. James Corden is the host of I uh, was it the Late Late Show or was it the Late Show? I don't know which one he is. He's he's after Colbert, British dude, and and he does the uh, he does the carpool karaoke, which I thought people loved. Thought they were crazy about carpool karaoke, and he's a guy who's done Broadway and has done theater, and he he can perform. He's, he's got talent, but he does and has been in a series of movies. One of them he did Cats. Ugh. He did Prom. Ugh. Yeah, he's been in some absolute hot garbage. He was in Cinderella too. That was a stinker, right? He has been over for three lately. And what's going on is that they are making a film adaptation of the musical Wicked. And if you've never seen Wicked, Wicked is uh, the original cast, Kirsten Chenoweth, or is it Kristen Chenoweth, and Adina Menzel. It's stunning. It's, this is the the big, big song before intermission, Defying Gravity. It's sensational. Dina Menzel can sing. And so can Chenoweth, who plays Glinda. It's the story of what happened before Oz. It was... Crazy, crazy good, good show. So they've hired a, a, an actress by the name of Cynthia Arrivo, who I oh, know nothing about. Love her. How do you? Do, what is she in that I would know? Um, that you would know nothing. Okay, but well, she's great. She's really, really talented. Why wouldn't I know her? Did you watch The Outsider on HBO? I, I, I don't have HBO. Uh, she uh she was in an, she was nominated for Academy. Well, she was in uh, the like Aretha Franklin movie. Okay, I, uh, I don't, I don't she's know. She's really talented, like no joke. Okay, uh, uh, solid. She oh, she played Harriet Tubman in the biopic. Uh, so or biopic, I always say it that way, biopic. Uh, so okay, the other one is Glenda, is going to be played by Ariana Grande, yes. and I'm like, all right, now listen to me very carefully. Um, she can sing. I want to be clear. That Ariana Grande can sing. She has got pipes. She has got range. She has an 
absolute insane, insane voice. I can't picture her as an actress who can handle either one of these parts. Why? I cannot picture Ariana Grande having the acting chops to be able to do it. She was an actor first before she was a singer. She wasn't an actor. She was in a Disney production. And we're talking about going up against what people have in their mind of Kristen Chenoweth. All I'm saying is I'm not buying it. But I'll give her the shot. But she's not the story. The story is people hate James Corden, it turns out. And there is a petition to keep James Corden from being in the film adaptation of Wicked. Could you imagine not liking somebody so much that you would put together a petition? It had, as of, as of yesterday, 37,000 signatures. 37,000 signatures. People trying to keep this guy out of a film adaptation. I think that's nuts. That's amazing. Because it's it's like this... Who's got time? Who has the time to hate someone that much? I think Aaron Rodgers is a much bigger story right now in society, and I don't have that much time. I talked about him once. I moved on. Just like I'm going to talk about this once and move on. 37,000 people. By the way, Aaron Rodgers is now getting the hate. Howard Stern came after him, and I read some of the commentary, and it's just, man, I... It, you know, you you don't talk bad about the fellow radio people. You know what I mean. You don't talk bad about the fellow radio people. But holy crap, has Stern turned to trash? What are you doing? I said these words about Aaron Rodgers. If he lied, he has to deal with the consequences. I, I said it, and then people are like, "He didn't lie." And I'm like, "All right, if he didn't lie, then someone's lying, aren't they?" But I don't get into the conversation of what Aaron Rodgers, the quarterback of the Green Bay Packers, took for COVID. He had told people that he was immunized. He was not vaccinated. He said, though, immunized and not vaccinated. He got COVID, and he listened to Joe Rogan, and he took the, uh, the ivermectin, and he took the, uh, the hydroxychloroquine, and he's taken zinc and a couple other things, and he feels fine now, and he's very glad because the natural immunity is far better. And people are getting all over him about uh, what he took. Terry Bradshaw said he took uh, cattle dewormer. That's not true. Terry Bradshaw's just wrong. But it's Terry Bradshaw. The point is, did Aaron Rodgers lie to the Green Bay Packers and say, I, I, I was vaccinated? Did they ever check by getting a copy of a vaccine card or anything? I mean, it's, it's, it's your employer. They might ask the question. We're not discussing the right or wrong. We're discussing what happened. Or did the or did the organization lie about it? Did they know? Because he claims everybody knew. Well, that means someone lied. And he wasn't following the protocols of somebody who wasn't vaccinated. And that's part of the issue. So there, there it is. Somebody who didn't tell the truth has to be dealt with accordingly. Because if we all don't ta- tell the truth... We are dealt with accordingly. So Stern loses his mind about what he did to his fellow teammates. I don't know what he did 
to his fellow teammates? How would any of us know? Then he goes after Joe Rogan because Rogers consulted with, with Rogan and how Rogan should treat him the next time he's, he's, he's injured. And then Stern outs himself by saying, you know, he doesn't believe in the idea that the antibodies work as natural immunity. And Stern wants to think that he's, what, he's got some kind of moral understanding here? Of course, of course natural immunity is a thing. Do you really not believe it's a thing? Because that's crazy. And let me tell you, it hurts. I grew up with Stern. You're talking, New York, New Jersey guy. I really grew up with Stern. My father tells stories of coming home on the New Jersey Turnpike, having to pull off the side of the road. He was laughing so hard. Crying. Tears. But Stern's greatness, man, eventually everybody everybody turns. Eventually there's enough money and enough comfort that you can just go in other directions. I don't know, maybe he believes it. But seems like a weird thing to believe that natural immunity isn't real and how dare people who say there is. And am I going to learn? Maybe I don't pay attention that much. Stern, somebody who believes it should be forced uh, vaccinations, mandates everywhere. A guy who introduced us to lesbians is going to now be about forced mandates? That's, uh, that, 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 that is strange. That is... That is very, very strange indeed. But all of this is precursor to the story I wanted to get to about the University of Austin. This story about Corden, this story about Stern and Aaron Rodgers, uh, this, this is about culture. And very often... We see people not want to play in culture. Why are you talking about this? It's so ridiculous. You should know where people are. You should know what people are engaged in. You can have conversations other than hard-edged political conversations. The, 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 meet people kind of where they are. Share an interest in them, and then maybe they'll share an interest in you. Know what it is people are talking about. People avoid culture. People avoid culture. And that's that's a real issue. They shouldn't. Well, one of the places that we've discussed it, and you've heard me talk about it repeatedly, is the idea of film and TV and art and, and being reengaged in those places. And you have heard me say that what we have to do is tell people to become teachers. Not because they have to be lecturing to students about uh, the political right, but just to ensure there isn't some radicalization from the political left. It's like when you make a movie. You're not making conservative movies, you're making good movies. As Kevin McKeever explained, if you tell me you've got a great conservative movie, movie, what you're telling me is your movie sucks. Because a movie isn't great because it's conservative. A movie is great because it has a great story. It has a great arc. It, it, that, that's the reason. Those are the reasons. So the University of Austin is being created by Barry Weiss and a group of others who are sick and tired of the progressive nature of campuses and the inability to engage free speech. They're starting their own university. I 
could not be more thrilled. Because while I will not say we are winning the culture war, certainly it is nice to see people fighting in it. You are not going to convince the University of Michigan not to be a bastion for leftism. You're not going to convince Columbia not to be a radical place that teaches kids to hate one another and to hate themselves and push rank absolute bigotry upon everyone, including the nation. What you can do is offer kids up a chance. You can offer them up a a, 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 a spot, a place to be able to engage classical liberalism, which is something that we all should want to aspire to. Classical liberalism or classic liberalism is not being a liberal in today's world. It is about be, have free speech. It is about being able to engage. It is about the concepts of civility. It is about a recognition of our founding. It is about being able to honestly discuss the problems with America's growth and how we make it better in order to form a more perfect union. Classical liberalism is where it's at. And you want more places that are able to do that. It can't just all be Hillsdale. So the creation of a university is super, super smart. I applaud it in every single way. We are not winning the culture war, but it is nice to see people fight. That's what's so excellent. That's what matters so greatly. Fighting the culture war. And that's why you see the left get so absolutely freaked out about it. Oh, they hate it. They hate it when you talk about culture wars. Oh, these the uh, political right and wanting their culture wars and wanting to start fights that no one's having. Everyone's having. Everyone is having. They're having these fights everywhere. But the left doesn't want to think of it as a fight because they love owning the culture. They desire controlling the culture, and they don't want anybody keeping them from doing so. Not in the slightest. So they are apoplectic, and they're trying to pretend that the culture wars aren't real. Oh, my gosh, these parents who are yelling and screaming at school boards. Next thing you know, they'll think about running for school board. Yeah. They will think about running for school board. That is 100% correct. Good. It's another fight in the culture war. This university, extremely important, and it might not work. It might fold. They've got a couple years of ramp up they've been discussing about how they're going to do things. And then, boom, off to the races. But it might not work but it'll set the ground for somebody else to give it a try and somebody else to give it a try. And eventually it will work if this one doesn't. Good things on the horizon. And yeah, James Corden should not be in Wicked. I'm Tony Katz. Weird thing going on in Ohio. 
Republicans are engaged in redistricting, and it seems that they're trying to draw Jim Jordan out. When you take a look at the map, as is being reported, it would have him going directly up against uh, Representative Joyce Beatty, who is a Democrat for the 4th Congressional District seat. Seems like an odd thing for Republicans to do, unless they feel somehow confident that he can get that victory. Also, uh, later in the week, I'm going to be doing more on what John Durham may have discovered, the problems it is for people like Adam Schiff, the representative from California, and James Comey, the former FBI director. How much do these guys really lie? Keep it right here. This is Tony Katz today.